0: Welcome to Sundays with the Rev, and actually, it's Friday, it's actually Friday, um, April 15th, 2022, it's actually Good Friday, and so I'm actually, I want to take a few minutes just to, uh, just talk while I'm actually driving home right now from service, I went to uh, a Good Friday service over at Ocean Point Christian Church in Middletown, Rhode Island, Uh, really a great, nice, uh, Good Friday service, it was really wonderful just to be able to be with fellow Christians and fellow people and being able to worship with them was just, just totally great. It was awesome. So this, let's just take a moment before we start and I just want to pray real quick. Lord, thank you for dying for us on the cross. Thank you, Lord, for just loving us so much that you came in this world, you suffered, and, and you died for us. And that's just an amazing thought of how much you love us, how much your love is. And I thank you for that heavenly father, our lord Jesus Christ. And thank you for your just your wonderful grace that you give unto us. For without your death dear god, without your death we would not have an Easter Sunday. And we pray this in Christ. Amen. So yeah, so I'm just I'm driving off from the service. You don't you don't have to get out your bibles or anything like that. We're just going to have an informal little talk. Let's we'll figure out a 20-minute little good Friday talk as I'm driving home, and I just wanted to kind of really just focus on Good Friday. I wanted to focus on the fact that, as I had mentioned in my prayer, that without a Good Friday, you know, without a Good Friday, there would be no, you know, there wouldn't, there would be no uh, um, Easter, and that's just the truth. There wouldn't be an Easter without a Good Friday, and, you know, and that's just the truth of it all, you know, no matter what you want to think, no matter what you want to say. That's just the truth of it all. There wouldn't be a good Friday at all. And so we have ourselves just this wonderful time that we can worship together and we can remember what the Lord Jesus has done for us. And that's a pretty amazing thing, really, in all honesty, it just really is. And so tonight I'm out there and I was actually, I love to serve on, on, I love to serve in the church and I love helping out at Ocean Point. And it's just a way for me to be able to uh, connect with the people and be there with the people and stuff like that and and so tonight they had asked me. I said, would, "Would you mind helping out? Maybe standing at the doors and greeting the people." And I love doing that. I said, "Yeah." We weren't doing coffee this week, and I love to do that too. I, I like to serve coffee on Sundays to people. I said, "Yeah, of course." Said, we're not going to do coffee tonight. This is more of a solemn thing. So I said, "Yeah, I'll. I'll we'll be more than glad to stand out there and 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 uh, sit, uh, worship with the people." So so we're. I'm there and I'm, and as people are coming in, you know, they're coming in. People know me there. They kind of know I'm a little, they know I'm a little jovial. I'm a little uh, fun. I like to have fun. Like, I like to uh, talk and I like to talk to people. I like to kind of, I'm loud and people know me that know me. They know that I'm a little loud, (laughs) you know. And so uh, people are coming in. I'm saying, you know, hey, happy Good Friday. Welcome, welcome, you know. And, and, and some people, you know, maybe new are kind of looking at me like, you know, well, you know, what's going on with him? Like, why is he like, why is he talking like that? You know, like why is he like so jovial and so happy on this day? It's like a solemn day, and he's being so, you know, he's just talking and being jovial and and happy and, and 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 so some of them were kind of looking at me strange, some weren't. Some were kind of looking at me like they like I said, some people know me there and they kind of know how I am. But I would say to people, I would say, you know, without and I'd say, you know, without a Good Friday, without the happiness of Good Friday, we wouldn't have a happy Easter so without a good Friday there would not be a happy Easter and there wouldn't be if we didn't have the death of Christ there would be no resurrection there would be no uh, there would be no salvation for us there would be nothing for us without that death the Lord Jesus Christ had to die and many of you have heard me say over the years you've heard me say it over the years that Lord Jesus had a, a main purpose when he came into this world And yes, he came in his world, he healed people. But that was more, as he even says in the Bible, you know, he healed people and he did that so that people would believe who he was. You know, the miracles that he performed were miracles that he performed because, as he said, I did this so that people would know who I am. So they would know that I was the one who came by these miracles. And, of course, he had his teachings, right? The Lord Jesus had his teaching, and he taught the gospel, right? And he taught the word of God, right? And he taught who he was and taught that he was the only way into heaven, right? But again, was that his main purpose? And I've always said no. I've heard other people uh, other pastors have kind of argued with me about about this, but I've kind of said in the past, no, I don't think that's really what his main purpose was. I think his main purpose, what I feel his main purpose was, and I don't know if anybody really would argue with me about it, is the fact he came here for the purpose of dying for our sin. That's what he came here for. And as I had said and I've said before in many in many of my sermons in the past that you know, the, you know, the Lord, the, when, when we sinned against God, when man sinned against the Lord, when we turned against God, when we wanted to be like him, and Adam and Eve sinned against him, and sin came into the world, thanks to the old serpent, but, you know, them too. And I've said it before that, then the Lord God said, I will send, I will send a Savior, I will send a Messiah, I will send someone that is going to save you from your sin. And that was what, and and that was what the purpose of the Lord Jesus was to come here and save us from our sin. Now there are many churches today that, that I see too that do not want to put a cross in their church. They don't want they don't want that that bad omen. I guess I don't know. I some of them, I don't know what it is. I just don't know. Sometimes with churches, they don't want to put a cross in the church. They think that it turns people off. They think that they think that maybe people aren't going to like that. It's kind of a negative thing, and and they're they believe that you know. And but again, again without the cross. Without the death of Christ, without this day, this Good Friday, we would not have a happy Easter. There wouldn't be an empty tomb. But I want to take a moment, if I can, and as I'm still still driving home, I want to take a moment to really think about what the Lord Jesus did for us. Here was a man, here was a man, again, he was fully God, he was fully man, right? And he came into the world and he died for our sins. And he, that's That was his purpose, right? But here, but, but what did he have to go through to get there? Now we know that there was a point that he was at the garden of Gethsemane, just before he was betrayed by, by Judas Iscariot, which, mind you, he loved. He loved all his, all his, those that were with him for those three years. But he was betrayed by Judas Iscariot, right? And and the Lord, you know, was was in the garden praying, knowing what was going to come, and he knew it was going to come. He knew it was going to go through. He knew what he was going to go through. You know, I've had people say to me in the past, gee, Matt, you know, so what? Big deal. Like, like he knew, he knew that he was going to go through with this. He knew the end. God knows everything right for him. He knows everything's going to happen. He knew what's going to go on. So, so what? You know, he, yeah, okay. But he knew that he was going to rise again from the dead and all this. But my question always is to them, would you have wanted to go through what he went through to get there? It's always my question to people. Would you have gone or would you have wanted to go through what he did to get there? Or to get where we are today. That's a question, I ask you out there. So, let's think about what the Lord Jesus went through. So he's at the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying. Now we know the Bible tells us that while he was praying, that he was so scared of what was happening, it was going to happen. Not only scared, but he was so anxious about that he was actually sweating blood, which meant that he was just so scared that he that he was so anxious of what was going to come that his body was sweating blood because his, his, his I've heard the doctor. The doctor one time say that it was to, to the point where it was like his um, his the little carpus the little the little uh, um, um, capillary excuse me on your skin break start popping and that's what the Lord Jesus was at that point he was so he was just so anxious of what was going to happen and we know that he asked God he asked his father can you please you know take away this cup from me if there was another way to do this could it be done but the Lord Jesus said your will be done. He begged his father, if there was another way this could be done, father, take this bitter cup from me. Right. But in the end, the Lord Jesus said, but your will, father, your will be done. Guess what he said in the end. OK. And he did it. And obviously he went through it. Well, now he gets betrayed by someone that you know, he cares for. He gets betrayed by this person. The other the other apostles friends that have been with him for three years have stuck with him through everything thick and thin they all now have basically betrayed him they've not betrayed him me, but they've left him now they've they've left his side Peter and James and John those who he really you know those that he kind of if you always want to look at, if you look at the Bible almost as if he really had a relationship with them a little bit more even they had left his side they ran away and took off and now he's alone now he's alone and now he's going before Pilate. And even Pilate himself, even when he's before Pilate, he's even trying to like. Pilate is even trying to like get him a way out. <laughs> even Pilate is trying to say to him, you know, you know, they say that you are this, but you know, are you really? And Lord Jesus just says to him, you say, it is as you say. Are you, are you the Son of God? It is as you say. And and Lord Jesus is just quiet amongst him. He's just quiet among Pilate. And then Pilate even says to him, you know, I can even tell, you know, I. I Pilate, it says even Pilate knew that it was the chief priest. They were just. They were, uh, um, you know, you know, they were angry or, or what's the word I'm looking for. They were, you know, they were just, you know, anxious or, or you know, um, jealous, if you want to say, uh, that he was taking away people from, you know, people actually listening to him and not them. They were envious. I'm sorry. They were envious of him. And so, and so they, and so they found a way to, you know, to get him crucified, right? And then what happens next? And then Pilate says, well, um, I can free Um, uh, uh, pilot tries to get another way out and pilot figures okay I'm going to try something new so I'm going to, there's a little, there's a tradition during this time that we get to free a prisoner and I'll see if I can't trade his life for this prisoner I don't think pilot really ever expected that people were going to start screaming yes to free him I think pilot figured the people these very same people that a week earlier were screaming Hosanna in the highest and were, uh, when he was going through Jerusalem on a donkey and he was going through the victorious league and they were calling him the Messiah and the king and putting palm branches at his feet I don't think Pilate thought these very same people were going to sit there two seconds later and say, "Yeah, crucify him," but they did. So here's the Lord Jesus now, and and Pilate says, "Okay, I can free a prisoner, and I'll free this Bar- Barabbas." Now he's, well, he, Barabbas was was a was a, a prisoner that was put in prison for murder and sedition. He was and he was a, a rebel rouser, and he was you know he did all kind of problems. And yet Pilate says, "I can free him," and the people start saying, "Free Barabbas, crucify Jesus." And they and they take him and probably, and then Paul is fine. I wash my hands of all this. And you take him, so Paul hands him over to the to the to his guard, to his to his soldiers, and they do unspeakable things to the Lord Jesus. They do just horrible things to him. They flog him. Well, Paul actually turns him over to be flogged. And and I've heard uh, many pastors kind of give a description of the flogging, but probably none more than Pastor uh, Greg Laurie, who I really love. You you hear me talk about him from Harvest Church in California. But Pastor Laurie talk really gives such a uh, understanding of what flogging is and what they do. So they take a, a cat or nine tail, and a cat or nine tail is a, is a it has these long strips, uh, it's like a, a piece of like uh say like say like a like a, a handle of a baseball bat, say. And they basically take and they they attach these long strips of leather to it. And at the end of the leather they tie on these jagged pieces of rock, uh glass, uh spikes, anything they can find, they they put on there. And the purpose of this whole cat and nine tails that when they flog you with that, basically it's going so deep in your skin, and, and they're not taking it easy. I mean, you got they got some. You can only think they got some big soldier probably doing it. And they take that thing and they whip it and they hit you with the, so hard, and 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 it goes so deep in your skin. And when they pull it back out again, it just rips chunks of skin out. And that and that, and that so the Lord Jesus is being flogged and it's, it's horrible, right? I, mean, I don't know for those of you. That I've never seen The Passion of the Christ. I've only been able to watch that once, and I cried the whole time this was going on. And I can't even watch it again because it gave me such PTSD of what the Lord Jesus went through. But if you want an idea of what the Lord Jesus went through, the movie The Passion of the Christ that by Mel Gibson is the way to go. It, it will make you rethink how you think about what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. I'll tell you right now, it will. So here's Lord Jesus. He's flogged now Horribly. The guards take him, and they now they ridicule him. Now they take him; they take off his clothes, they rip his clay, put a, a um, they, you know, they call him, they ridicule him. They call him the King of the Jews. They, they put um, uh, a, a, a purple robe, which was a symbol of royalty, on him, and they and they give him a, a crown of thorns. They they weed together or or mesh together a crown of thorns with thick thick thorns on it, with these big. I'm going to probably think, you know, some say they're up to one, almost an inch thick of thorns, and they put that on his head. They also give him a reed, a reed like it's like a kind of like a bamboo stick, if you want to say, and they put it in his hand as if the, as if it was his royal scepter. So here he is with his royal robes, his crown of thorns, and his royal scepter, and then they proceed to basically take the reed from him and beat him with the reed. Not only has the Lord Jesus now suffered unspeakable things as far as suffering from being flogged, like he was, but now they beat him with the reed, and now they and now they humiliate him. Then they take him and they take his clothes, they take all that stuff back off from him and they put his old clothes back on again. And then they tail base now they say to him, now you're going to go and you're going to walk with your own cross on your back to your own death. And they take him and they put his big wooden beam on him and he's got to walk now to Golgotha, which is the uh, this rock or the skull, the hill and the skull, and now he's going to be crucified there amongst two real murderers and thieves. He who had no sin, he who had no no wrong with him, is now being is now going to hang with those who have. So he goes now, and he now he goes and and he gets, um, you know he he's now going to the cross now. So now he gets there now, and think about now that he's bloody and bleeding. I mean, to even to a point where even his own mother can't even recognize him, even his own mother. Cannot even recognize her son. And he gets to the cross now, and and now the worst is still to come because now they take him now and they basically lay him down on this cross now, and he and they now nail his his hands in the wrist. It wasn't uh, through the palms like they show on TV. They actually nailed it through his wrist, and they say and many people have to agree that the reason they do this is because. The wrist bones can hold up the weight better than as if they put it in his palm of his hands, which would probably rip back out through his hand bones. So they, they put it through his, through his wrist, the nails. And they're not nails. You know, they say nails, but they're not nails. They're actually spikes. They're spikes. They're not nails. And then they do the same thing to his feet. Take his feet and they probably nail it above the shin. And I do know if those of you who have ever, who have ever hit your shin on something, That hurts. That hurts. And they now take and they nail this now to him. He's nailed to him now. Just horrible. Just horrible. Then, they put, him, then they, they put the cross upright, and now he's hanging there for three hours. He hangs there in front of his mother, in front of all those other women that loved him. And here he is now being humiliated and crucified as if he's a sinner, as if he is a, a murderer and thief on this cross. just take a moment to think about that just take a moment to think to think what he has gone through so far and as he hangs there for those hours discruciating they say because now they say that now he is basically he is he is has been beaten so bad he's he's swollen he is uh, uh, you know if you want to look at it, swollen puffy you know they say that you hang on there and, and the crucifixion was such a horrible way to die, they say, because because you can't breathe when you're up there. It's hard to breathe. So basically your hand, your, while, you're, while you're up there, your, your, your arms are above, you're hanging from your arms. that's supporting you. And the only way for you to breathe is for you to be able to basically lift yourself up with your feet, which have also been mind you, which has also been nailed to that cross. And lift yourself up in order to try to get some air, get some relief. But in the meantime, you're you're being asphyxiated slowly as you're up there. And not only that, but then he's also thirsty. His body has been beaten to a pulp. And his mouth, I can only imagine that his mouth is probably like that, you know, if you ever had that cotton mouth, they call it, where your mouth feels like cotton and your your tongue just sticks to the roof of your mouth and you can't even move. Well, the Lord Jesus, that's the way he is. And he can't even like, probably can't even lift his tongue off the roof as much as probably stuck there like sandpaper, like glued there with super glue. And he can't even get a drink of anything. He He says, I'm thirsty. And they give him a sponge of vinegar. Then the 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 the, uh, the centurions there, you know, they say, you know, they, they you know they got These guys got to die soon because Passover is coming, and that's a holiday. So they say we got to kill him soon. So the chief priest, you know, they go to the the chief priest. They say, look, our Passover is coming to the road. You, you got to do something. You got to get him out of here. We got to get him down and get him and buried somewhere before uh, you know, before the Passover comes, right? So they go over there and, and they're gonna. So they go and the other two guys that are hanging there, they're not dead yet. They break their legs. And and they they die, so they break the legs, so that way they can't no longer lift up, as I mentioned earlier, to try to breathe. So they do that with them. And then they go to Lord Jesus, and he's he's already dead, he's already he's already gone, and they and he, you know, he's already said, Father, I commend my spirit unto you, and he's and he's done. He, he breathes his last breath, and and so they go over with the spirit. and so we're going to test to make sure he's really dead. And they say that they spear him in the side, and water and blood comes out. That's how badly. He was beaten, how badly he was bruised, how badly he was of what he went through, that then when they start to spare him, his body, the fluid in his body was all intermixed with his blood. And they say that when that happens, doctors will tell you that that's when a great trauma has happened to you. A great trauma, they say, when that happens. Without a death, we would not have an Easter. Without a death, we would not have a resurrection. And so the question you ask yourself, so Matt, what's so good about this? What's so good about everything you just said to us? Everything you just said, what is so good about that? It's so good because he died for us, because he loved us so much that he loved us so much that he went through all of that for us. He went through that for me, a sinner, a deranged sinner, a person that's horrible. I am a horrible person. I've had horrible thoughts in my life. I've done horrible things in my life, and yet he died for me, and he did the same for you. That's what's so good about it. That's what's so good about it. I go back and I think about the time when I talked to not too long ago about Joseph and when Joseph's brother sold him to slavery. And, and his brother sold him to slavery, right? And they said, and then Joseph, you know, later on after the father, after Joseph's father died, you know, the, his brothers came to him and said, you know, they were afraid that Joseph was going to do something to them. And if you remember the story and Joseph said, you know, they said, you know, we're, we're sorry for what we did. You know, forgive us, do not take be evil to us. And Joseph says to them, hey, what you intended as evil, God intended for good. What the world intended for evil, of the Lord Jesus, God intended it for good. I mean, that's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Wonderful when you think about that, right? What the world intended for evil. The evil that the world did for the Lord Jesus, God intended it for good. And the, also the Bible tells us that God, what God intends for good, for the good of us, that God intends it for the good, he does it for our good. His glory, but he does it for our good so that who those who believe on him will partake of the greatest joys that they have ever, ever known. I think that's a marvelous, marvelous thing. It's just a wonderful thing to remember how much God loves us, that he came into this world knowing full well what he was going to suffer. He knew it. He knew it, what he was going to suffer when he came into this world. He knew what he was going to do from day one when Adam and Eve sinned against him. He knew what he had to do. He knew what was going to be done. And he knew that he had to take on the sin of the world, which is so horrible, so disgusting, so terrible, so dirty so evil, that he knew that he had to die a horrible death, a horrible way to show just how evil sin and disgusting sin is. Praise God for that. So as we close right now, we're going to close in a solemn remembrance of what Lord Jesus did for us, that he died for us. But Easter morning, we're going to remember on Easter morning that his death, Turn into a resurrection. And for those who believe on him, for those who believe in his death, because even though it's an ugly thing, we have to know why it was that he was resurrected. We have to know why he was resurrected from the dead, what happened to him. We cannot hide from the cross. Churches today try to hide from the cross, but you cannot hide from the cross. You just can't. You can't. The cross is the big story in all this, man. It really is. So let us now, we're going to end this in a solemn way. We're just going to end this, and we're going to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for loving us so much that you died for our sins. Thank you, Lord God, that you went through so much pain, so much torture, so much just what you went through so that we wouldn't have to, so that we would be spared of that torture. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for that. And we pray in your most blessed, blessed and wonderful and precious name. Amen.